Hey, welcome to Guitar Knobs, the guitars, gear, noise, and nonsense podcast hosted today by these knobs. Tony Dudzik, Pick Guardian. Jared Brandon, Brandon, what? Pickups. Hey, everybody, this is me, Todd Novak. Welcome to the Guitar Knobs podcast. We are thrilled to death you are listening to our show. I'll say it again because it feels so good coming out of my mouth. The Guitar Knobs podcast. Um, Tony, what do we do on the show? <laughs> well, we like to talk to, oh, I guess builders and movers and shakers in the world of boutique gear. That would include guitars and amps and pedals and accessories and all sorts of fun things. We, like to, we get the story behind the story. That's right. Yes. And uh, on this week's show, who do we have on the line? Hey, this is Josh Forrest from Treetone Guitars. Where are you calling from? Uh, calling from Connecticut. Ew. How long did it take? So you lived there all your life? I have. So you haven't had to try to learn how to say that word? No, no. It just Connecticut? It came naturally. Yeah. yeah. It's brilliant. I can like you that. Say, can you say solderless? Uh, all right. <laughs> Anyways. Solderless? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's the gag that keeps on giving. So, uh, hey, everybody. We're going to have an awesome show. We are all four of us remote. This It just gets, get, it keeps getting more remote and remote Yeah. And um, we are, have given up offerings to the internet gods to let us get through this show. Uh, right. And uh, hopefully... Hopefully we come out alive. Hopefully you enjoy it. We've got Josh from Treetone Guitars. He makes some mighty fine guitars. Uh, where can they go see your stuff? Just real quick, like. Uh, easiest place would be treetoneguitars.com. Um, on the old Instagram, at treetoneguitars. Yes. Trying to keep it simple. Brilliant. All right, go and do that. Since nobody's really driving around or going anywhere, <laughs> you can do this. I know yeah, exactly. it. Exactly. You're probably already sitting on the toilet looking it up right now going, oh, but I don't know why you make that sound, but <laughs> <laughs> well, you're on a toilet. I guess so. Yeah. Um, anyways, so we've got just a couple of things to get through in the way of announcements. Um, first of all, uh, Tony or Jared, do you have anything before I just launch into this tirade of mine? No, let's 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 hear you launch into the. Oh, I'm sorry, Jared. I didn't mean to speak for you, but you <laughs> yeah. have my permission to launch. Thank you. So, uh, just to let everybody know, uh, Tony and I are still open for business. Allegedly, yes, I am still <laughs> open for business. My <laughs> shop is at my home, and I, as long as the uh, <clears throat> the post office is going, so am I. So, is that a Corona cough? That is not a corona. It's a, I just had some cornbread cough. Yeah, no, that's a, every time he opens his mouth. I got a whole box full yeah. of them in my edit pile. Yeah, <laughs> man, they're special. No, so, uh, yeah, and I, I am running a discount as well. The code word is HOME, and uh, you get 15% off. Whoa, so, hey. Take, right. take advantage of that. You don't even give us 15% off. That's does that, awesome. Does that apply to wholesale pricing, too? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, Tony, you get the best price in the universe. So. Uh, I'm sure I do. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see here. We want to thank Road. Road Mics for providing our mighty fine equipment that we are all using in separate places. Our our usual table is looks like a, a overpicked garage sale right now. 
<laughs> back at the studio. Um, so uh, we want to thank them for the Rodecaster Pro, this awesome machine that's making this happen, and the Procaster mics. Mm, I love them. Mm-hmm. Mine is actually currently set up on a um, on an amplifier stand, an articulated amplifier stand wow. that, for whatever reason, has a microphone screw at the top. It's huh. like this. Uh, it's like a tripod that leans back. And it has, yeah. like, two arms that fold out, so you can put your amp on it and point it up to your belly button instead of your ankles. Oh. It's, it's kind of cool. I just realized that uh, my microphone stand is at Jared's house. So, oh, Yeah. Jared. See, you need one like me. I have one that... Oh, you has... mean like mine? Yes. Yeah. I'll give you this one back eventually. <laughs> Probably when all the coronavirus... You need one on, like but... me. This one's great. No, I, yeah. So I have this mic stand that I have, and what I noticed with your mic stand that I have, Todd, mm-hmm. is that the weight of the microphone eventually, uh, the arm creeps all the way down. Mm-hmm. You know, within a few days. But I have an old, within old a school, few days. What? Yeah, <laughs> it just creeps down it, it, because the weight of the microphone. It's weird. Yeah, I well, mean, don't leave it up for a few days. I won't. Okay. I'll put it down this time manually. <laughs> However, why don't, why don't you get one of the ones like they have at boxing ring? I come down I have in the an middle from the ceiling. List. Let me talk. I have an old school one, <laughs> and it's got a weight on the other end of it, ah. like a big heavy weight. Yeah. Wow. And it, you could, you know, bash through a windshield with that thing. I like when they did it on Bugs Bunny and the, the old Miles Lane little character, the guy, the little bald guy with the big head, comes in. <laughs> And then Mike drops down, ladies and gentlemen. Exactly. That's so great. <laughs> yep. uh, all right. Uh, we got one more little thing here. want to give a shout out to Steve Keys, uh, one of our uh, executive producers, one of the newer ones. Hey, he says, uh, hey, knobs, you uh, run a pretty great podcast, and I'm happy to help out. I asked him a couple questions, and he shot me over his gear of choice. I said, what is your main gear of choice? So he says, uh, right now, it's my PRS SE Custom 24 with a Floyd or his 18 Les Paul Classic. On to his rig. Uh, he gets the, uh, so this is the, everything else he's using. The Lawrence Petros Design LPD Gila Fuzz. And it's Wouldn't not like Gia. Gia. Well, there's, it's only one L here. Oh, so that's Gila. Mm, or Gila. Like a, like a Gila monster? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the boss cs3 and the lpd going back to that again 87 an h9 so that's that's the uh, even tied h9 and the exotic ep booster yeah, okay well, finally that. all that goes into Sorry. his marshall jcm 2000 dsl 40 mm-hmm. why can't marshall just name stuff like cougar you know, or like, I don't know. It's just so many numbers. It's like a German car or something. All right. Okay. Yeah. Well, there you go. Uh, all right. So, hey, thanks, Steve, for supporting our show and for sharing that little uh, tidbit. I'm sure there's somebody out there going, that sounds a lot like my rig. And now you guys can, like, be pen pals. <laughs> uh, hey, everybody. We need to get into what is going on in our music world this week. Tony Baloney is going to start us off, and then we'll jump over to our man from Treetone Guitars. Ah, okay. Well, so whenever, when I, whenever I'm feeling down or anxious, I always put on 
the Beach Boys pet sounds. Oh yeah. And weird. I just it just <laughs> it lifts me weird. It just lifts me out of my funk. And mm-hmm. so I've been listening to pet sounds pretty much nonstop this whole past week. And uh and then, you know, as as part of my MO is I I, I found some uh documentaries on the making of pet sounds that i've been oh, watching they're so good <laughs> i mean it's 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 just it really is incredible and just you know what was going on in brian wilson's head was yeah like the walls had to have the right mojo or feeling going on it had to have the right energy going on in the room and if it didn't he would just leave and come back another day hmm. and the record company paid the bill anyway no. it was it was crazy I, th- I think I think ultimately it was worth it, but yeah. So so that's been that the, the pet sounds has been uh, the soundtrack of my life here for the past week or so. But but one cool thing happened this week. My my landlord, who was also uh, a guitar repair and builder for your uh, business, yes, yes, landlord for my business, uh, gave me a call and um, and said, "Hey, I'm cleaning out my shop because he's he's kind of semi-retired. He's just focusing in on." building acoustic guitars right now in his shop but he had a full repair shop going at one point in time so he he called and said hey i've got this box of pickups that i'm going to throw away are you interested in them and uh i said well yeah tom i would be interested in that he said i don't know what's in there it's it's just stuff that you know we would take out and you know replace and whatever so um uh, we met up and i you know started digging through the box and yeah, most of it. I mean, there were some old DiMarzio things. There was a lot of import pickups, uh, some old Fender stuff. Not old Fender, but you know, um, not 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 great Fender stuff. But at the very bottom of the box was a pair of uh, probably seventies um, Les Paul Deluxe um, mini humbuckers, nice. still nice. in the still in the cream rings. <clears throat> And, yeah. uh, they, I mean, that was just, I mean, that was worth the price of admission right there. Yeah. That's uh, about three to 400 bucks. I think. Are you serious? Yeah. People are spending that much on this. Just maybe for the rings. Not, well, no, not, maybe not today, but when this coronavirus crap isn't around and the market is where it should be, mm-hmm. we're looking at, you could really command at least two to three to 400 bucks. On a really good day, of you just TV doubled the price. Yeah, well, it depends who needs them. <laughs> it's one million dollars. Well, maybe well, I need if them. If you get if you get some guy that's restoring his old nineteen seventy two Les Paul Deluxe, yeah, and there's and there's only one set on Reverb in between Reverb and eBay, they're going to pay two or three hundred bucks if they have you know plenty of money to spend. You know, if they're just a collector, they have money laying around anyway. Well, what if People I just pay what if I, what if I just want to hold on to them? Well, then you can. You can <laughs> make a box and frame them and do it out of pickguard material. Ooh, that would be nice. Yeah. So, uh, just, just uh, if I, I'm, I'm not super familiar, but is there like a metal plate that is goes into the body that those things screw into? Sometimes, I, I think there was in the early seventies. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just a lot of crazy hardware that that uh, you know that they had to add to those, and and it depends what year it is because they you know sometimes they use these things called tinnitus clips, 
Um, mm. And then sometimes they would solder tiny little nuts onto the. Uh, I, I think these have little nuts. screws. Yeah, yeah, and they're soldered on there. Yeah. yeah. And so. there's washers, and there's a spacer in there. Yeah. It's just a lot of hardware. It's a lot of tiny little pieces of hardware just yeah. to have those things in those frames, man. Yeah. And those are really cool, too, because let me tell everybody here um, that those mini humbuckers in that era, in the Gibson era from the 60s when they started doing in the early 60s to maybe even the early 80s when they were still using them, is those are smaller in diameter. They're slightly smaller in diameter as far as the pickup cover goes. So they're slightly smaller. If you took those pickups out that you have and you tried to put in a set of modern-day pickups from Gibson or you know a boutique builder like myself, mm-hmm. you would have to modify those old rings to make them fit because they're slightly larger. The price just went up. Except if uh, I'm pretty sure uh, Seymour Duncan's covers are the old match they, up with the yeah. old, old size. Yep. They do, but he's got his emblem on. If you don't mind the Seymour yeah. Duncan emblem, right? then you know, nice, have at it. It's a nice emblem, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah of course it is. <laughs> it's yeah. got like an S with, with 12 pole pieces. Oh, sure. It's nice. I mean, I like Seymour Duncan, but some people don't like emblems on their stuff, and some people do. Yeah. I don't like the emblem on that, but <laughs> if it were on my guitar, but I, I like him. So don't get that shit mixed up. <laughs> Easy now. <laughs> All right. There goes our rule. Um, <laughs> right out the door. Yes. So that that's that. So that in a nutshell, that was uh you know, one one very cool thing that happened this week in spite of all of the Coronaville stuff. All right. <laughs> well, let's uh head on over to Josh. Yeah, so my guitar world, one good thing about this whole coronavirus stuff is I've kind of been locked up at home for a while. Um, the reason why that's good, and that sounds a bit weird, but the reason why that's good is I've actually been able to play guitar, um, which, you know, nowadays I really don't get to do very often. Um, between my day job and then coming home and building the guitars, um, squeezing that in as much as I can, I don't get much time to play. So I've been what, playing a lot more guitar. What's um, your day job? Uh, I work at a university in the IT department, um, oh. so I do that full time, and then um, pretty much any free time I get outside of that is spent on the guitars. That's very um, cool. Nice. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. So I've been, you know, playing more guitar. Uh, I found an old hard drive full of old demos from my last band. Um, kind of been going through all those, reworking those a bit, um, which is pretty sweet. You know, it's stuff that I haven't touched in. I don't know, like two, three years at least, um, sometimes older than that. And another cool thing, I actually got, you guys ever heard of the uh, the Two Notes Torpedo Captor? No. It's, uh, no. Mm-mm. It's kind of a ridiculous name, but uh, pretty much what it is, it's a load box uh, for your amp. So um, for home recording, it's been pretty amazing. So pretty much you can take the output of your amp instead of going into a speaker cab. You go into this uh, two notes torpedo captor, and uh, that was excellent into your audio interface and oh, straight okay. into your computer. So, so um, I had a, a Redbox. I forget the company name. Might have been Redbox. I don't know, but it was something similar. Was uh, it red? 
it, it was indeed red. Of course. Um, but um, but it was the same type of thing where it, it uh, took your speaker output and uh, then rerouted it back through, but somehow must have pulled the signal off to XLR or to headphones. Yep, yep. Yeah, definitely similar. Um, the big thing with the, the two notes thing is they give you uh, their plugin. Um, it's called Wall of Sound. And it's loaded with tons of different cabinets with different IRs of different speakers, cabinets themselves. Mm. Um, you get to, you know, place microphones on different parts of the speaker and move it around. Um, it, it's pretty incredible the sounds you get out of it, honestly. Huh. Um, I, I previously had been recording at home. I made like a homemade isolation cabinet for my little orange 112 cab. Um, mm -hmm. And I was just micing that up with a 57, getting some pretty good tones without blowing out the rest of the house. Um, but since I got this Torpedo Captor, um, I've completely ditched the load box. Or, I'm sorry, I ditched the um, ISO cab. So, what, what does something like that run? Do you know? I got it used on reverb for like 150. Mm. It was a heck of a deal. I think they're like two something usually. They just came new version too, which has like a headphone out and whatnot that mine doesn't have but yeah, so how is that different from an uh, from an ox it's exactly the same thing um i think the the two notes thing was out before the ox was ever around uh -huh. um but it's very similar to the ox and it's incredibly cheaper mm. yeah um, it's it's not it's especially also if you have two of them <laughs> Oh, somebody's got two oxes? Uh, they would be oxen. Uh, <laughs> I have a herd. I have a herd of ox. <laughs> I use them for Nam. Nice. Nice. Mm. Yeah, One's just not going to cut it at Nam. Everybody knows no. that. You got all your single coil uh, pickup uh, on one side and all your humbucker stuff on the other. Pretty smart. Uh, I like that. Yep. Could you could you try on one side? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that way you got more than one person trying it out. No, you know, you don't really have a line or, you know, people waiting. Could could yeah. you take the output from your first ox and then input it into the second ox and then do not that? hear it? Probably. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. <laughs> maybe maybe you need a third one. I think you should probably. Get I one. think that would make the most sense. Maybe a fourth. <laughs> Give me like a four-page essay on why I need three or four, and I'll consider it. And make sure it's in triplicate. <laughs> Jared. Yeah, so... um, What's going on in your music world this week, Jared? Oh, yes. <laughs> hey, Jared. So, yes. What's going on in your music world this week? <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> no, things, things have been going pretty good uh, business-wise uh, for for, you know, the circumstances. And... I got a really great message the other day uh, from one of our listeners of the podcast, and he he actually listened to this past podcast about you know what are how are we handling this epidemic and all that kind of thing, and what are we going to do while we have the spare time and whatnot. So he 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 said, "Hey man, I love the podcast. I just finished up this last one, and he actually." Um, gave me a reference and gave uh, gave me some info on a guy that built him a, a pedal that switches all of his amps for him. And I think I think the picture he sent me had like eight buttons or something like that. Wow. So when um, you say, I, is that like 
like switching cabinets or yeah. actually just the input going I'm to pretty a sure amps? the input okay yeah um like Del- that's what like the delisle makes right well but yeah delisle, it wasn't was delisle it was it was somebody else it was a different name and and um i couldn't actually i can bring it up who it is i guess it wouldn't hurt um Ouch! It's hurting. So, I had to I had to take a screenshot so I can zoom in on this because I think he uh, messaged me through a, a thing where you couldn't do that. It's called Smoking Amp. It's that's huh. that's what the pedal says, Smoking Amp. And it's <laughs> that's got, what it's what you don't want to see when you're using right. the pedal. This has six, <laughs> and it's called JCM. Oh, well, no, it's called Smoking Amp, and he's got labels of. I mean, I guess the fellow that sent me this picture, you know, put his own labels on which button is which, but he's got a JCM yeah. 800, he's got a class five, he's got a lead 100, a lead 12, a base 12. Um, it's pretty awesome. Huh. So I just want to thank him for, for the message. Uh, I don't know his actual name. His name is A G E M M E 27. All right. So I don't know how the heck he said that. So. He sounds nice. Yeah, he's a really nice dude, man. He offered that information up for me. <laughs> so, I think he's a spy, maybe. Yeah, but that, we that like definitely spies. sounds like a code name. <laughs> I like him. Yeah, that's cool. Very cool. <laughs> well, you got to work something out, as we mentioned. You do need some yeah. sort of solution there, or a few solutions. So, but no, yes. so thank you very much, awesome listener guy. Um, <laughs> awesome we listener. really appreciate it. So. Yeah. No, it really feels good when when people reach out and and help us out with those kind of things. Oh we, yeah, that is. We do appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Hey Todd. Yes, sir. What's, what's going, going on, on in your What's going world? on in Jared's world this week? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, a couple things. Um, so uh, let's see. Remember how I put that new badge on my amp? That I, yeah, I did the three D three D printed yeah, yeah. amp. Uh, a 3D printed amp. There you go. That's something. So I, I took off the Supro badge and, mm-hmm. not, you know, nothing against Supro. I, I, I like my Supro, but, you know, I like to customize stuff. I realized I was like, this is kind of smallish. It's about the same size as a Supro, but our, you know, our band logo, was, it just looked a little smaller. So I hit up my drummer and I said, hey, can you make me one like an inch and a half bigger like all the way around? I was like, yeah, let's go bigger than that. <laughs> so <laughs> he so printed now, it now you need two cabinets to put the logo on. <laughs> yeah, it's going to look so much cooler and I'm using the um, the uh, I guess it's the mirror metallic uh, paint that you gave me, Tony because I was oh, using cool. like, a, like a gold like a proper gold um but I think having that sort of mirror finish on it, it's not going to be a total mirror because it's not like perfectly, totally ultra smooth. Although yeah. I have had to like, yeah, that's one of the things about 3D printed stuff is like it comes out and it, it looks like it's still made out of plastic string. So you have to work with it a little bit to get it nice. Um, but uh, yeah, when I pop that thing on, oh, this thing's going to look awesome. So excellent, yeah. So, so that's so what. How I, much big, is it? Like twice as big as the the one that you had, or it's yeah, it's 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 about twice as big. It's cool. It's gonna look great. So, I can't wait to see it. Yeah, me neither. I'm working on it this weekend. Anyway, so uh, there you have it. There you have it. Let's do this. One, two, one, two, three, four on the floor. Okay. 
Josh Forst. Tree Tone Guitars, give us your four on the floor. Let's do it. All right. Number one, um, Full Tone OCD. Yes. Ah, that so one's that, never been on the show before. Yeah. No, I'm sure. Yeah, very unpopular pedal. You know? <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, so that guy currently is kind of my always-on pedal, actually. Um, I, nice. I set the drive real low. Um, it just kind of gooses the front end of the amp, pop the volume up a bit, and it just sounds nice. What um, kind of amp are you going into, by the way? So I went through a lot of orange orange heads in the past. Uh, started with the Tiny Terror. Um, what do you get after the Tiny Terror? You get the Dual Terror. And then, yeah, anyway, I got an OR50 after that, blah, 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 blah. Um, I don't have those amps anymore. I'm literally just running um, an Epiphone Valve Junior that I modded um, a little bit. So it's not completely stock, but it's a super bare bones, cheap amp. Um, and it needs a little, little something on the, the way in in order to kind of get the character out of it that you want otherwise it's a little stale um so yeah that ocd gives it that character it needs and it a little bit of hair but it's it's almost clean you know is it uh is that a real bright sounding amp um exact opposite actually it it's super dark dark, like a yeah okay um yeah i mean I, i wish it was brighter actually that's most of the mods that i've done were to get a little more gain out of it and brighten it up a bit Uh um which has helped but I mean, it, it's still it's still a ninety nine dollar amp, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, the <laughs> reason ever... the the reason I ask was that um, so I have an OCD, and what I what I found is that it just it sounds so um, thick and like almost almost like overly warm to the point where it's like um, it's almost like a blanket. Yeah. I, is that fair? Is that does your Do sound you, like um, that? Um. Have you tried that little switch on the top? Yeah, oh like yeah, yeah. High HP, LP, high pass, low pass. Yeah. I think. Um, I tend to get a lot more high end when I've got that flipped up for the, I think it's HP when it's flipped up. Yeah. Um, cuts through then. Yeah, it definitely cuts through. It gives it way more gain too when you do that. Yeah. Um, but I literally keep the drive on that guy down all the time. Um, I never used to use the OCD that way. Mm. Um, I used to use it... Um, you know, with the orange amps that I had, I would have, you know, some gain on the amp already. Um, and that would just be kind of like taking it over the edge sort of pedal. Yeah. Just a, like a like a solo boost or something like that. Um, but yeah, it's definitely come in handy. It's probably my favorite pedal now, being that it's it's literally on all the time. Right on, man. What's number two? Number two. All right. We're getting into a little delay here. Um, delay's been big for me for a while. Um, this pedal I actually don't have anymore, but I kind of wish I still had it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called the Love Pedal Gen 5 Echo. Okay. Hmm. Uh, it's an analog delay. Um, you don't see him very often. I think, oddly enough, I think it was like a musician's friend guitar center special. Um, way back when you mean like one of the ones that they kind of do themselves like it was made by love pedals specifically to be sold at those stores yeah 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 um so i went in one day um one of the other guitarists in my band at the time had uh what is it that mxr carbon copy and i all all intentions were to go in and get a carbon copy because all i wanted to do was set those knobs all the way up and get that crazy feedback oscillation for like trippy parts of songs and whatnot. 
um, <laughs> uh, which, you know, analog delays are great for. So I went in for a carbon copy and then they had this love pedal gen five echo. Um, I plugged into it. I was like, Oh, this is cool. Analog echo. It's nice. Um, but the thing that really sold me was it has what you don't see too often. It has this little trim pot on the top for a boost. So pretty much you can use it as like, if you're going into a solo or something, and you're putting the delay on, it's putting delay on as well as giving you a little kick um, with the boost. So yeah. your volume goes up, um, you hit the amp a little bit harder, saturates a bit more, and you've got that echo on there. Um, and being that it's an analog echo, it's got a sweet slapback sound. Um, so yeah, kind of a unique pedal that you don't see too often. But uh, yeah, I don't have it anymore. Wish I still had it. <laughs> oh well. Yeah, that's kind of interesting. I... I not, not real familiar with that one, but I'm not either. Okay, there you let's go. Do it. Let's scour the internet yes. now. <laughs> uh, yeah, they're super cheap now. They're like always under a hundred bucks on reverb. Really? So I should just not probably scoop one up. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was they it. were under hundred dollars. <laughs> it's like those mini humbucker uh, pickup rings now. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what do you got for number three? Uh, number three, we got the Line 6 DL4 uh, Digital Delay Workstation, I think is what they call that guy. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I'm sure it's been on the show before. It, it's a pretty darn popular pedal, or at least it used to be. But you're still seeing it on boards nowadays. But I remember, you know, maybe about a decade or, or so ago, they were on everybody's board. Everyone yeah. had a DL4. Yeah. Um, and back then, I didn't have one. I probably got this DL4 probably like five years ago. So I was, I was way... Uh, way late on that one, but anyway, you know, digital delay. So it's a, it's got a different flavor compared to the love pedal. Um, that being said though, it models like every great delay there's ever been. So you can get just about any sound out of it, even though it's a digital pedal. Um, I usually kept mine. So, you know, I've got the, the three presets on those. Um, so my first preset would just be a, a slapback delay. Second preset would be an analog delay with a, a longer decay. Um, and then third preset, which is probably the one I used the most, was um, just a straight-up digital delay. But um, what was big for me was the tap tempo. I never had a delay with a tap tempo before that one. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, it, it was a super musical thing. You know, once you start tapping in your tempo, it kind of changes the way you play, at least with the delay on. Um, so that became kind of vital uh, for one of the bands I was playing in at the time. Interesting. I think uh, Aaron uh, Aaron Wall of AWOL has single-handedly repopularized that particular pedal with his powder coating Oh, that's right. Madness. Oh, yeah. pink, pink powder coating. <laughs> I mean, seriously, it's like, well, up to that point, here's your green, big green monster. Giant which, green pedal, yeah. Yeah, and now, ta-da, you know, it's a thing. It's a thing. That guy was they smart. Get, they good. get kind of a bad rap for reliability, though. I will say that. A lot of guys have issues with the uh, the switches on them, the actual foot switches. Mm. Um, but yeah, being such a vital pedal for the band I was playing in, I did have a show where that pedal kind of went down on me. Oh, um, and I, I literally couldn't use it. So I didn't have that tap tempo delay for a song that you know kind of needed that tap tempo delay. Mm-hmm. But not to bring down the party. It's a great freaking pedal. <laughs> um, but I, I do know, you know, it does have its issues. But when it's working, it, it, it's it's a killer pedal. Yeah. Nice. Very cool. Uh, how about your last one? 
last one, super simple. Um, one of the most simple pedals out there, Electro Harmonics Holy Grail. Um, the one I have is the, the little micro pedal, so it's super small, just sits there at the end of the pedal chain. Um, I use it always in the, the spring mode. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you know that that, that pedal's got just the uh, the three-way selector switch on it. So you've got, what is it? There's a hall. Hall, spring, and... Um, Go ahead, do it. Flurb. Is the flurb. The, oh, that's, yeah, that's yes, right, yeah. the flurb. Yes, yes. <laughs> yep. Flurb. I got the same pedal. Yeah, like, I love it. The man. larger kind, because I have big feet. Got to have the big pedal then, right? <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I mean, I always use it in the spring mode. So it's just kind of got a vintage sort of, uh, not delay, uh, reverb sound to it. Um, funny enough though, my little toggle switch that switches in and out of the modes has been broken for years now. Um, so you kind of have to fidget with it to get it to stick in one setting or the other. Um, (laughs) which is, which is good if you only want to use it in spring mode, but every now and then it'll, it'll flip into the flurb on me (laughs) (laughs) and you'll, you'll know instantly. You're like, what the, what the hell's that? What's going on in the trail there? Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a solid pedal. You, you really can't go wrong with a with a single knob pedal, right? There right. you go. Yeah, that's for sure. Not at all. Well, that's a that's a pretty solid four on the floor, man. Yeah. Thanks. Very cool. Lot, lots of lots of delay and reverb though. How about that? Surprisingly, yeah. I mean, for for me as a player, I I honestly don't use delay and reverb all that much. <laughs> I'm almost <laughs> okay. I'm almost more of just a, a guitar straight into amp with a with a little bit of a drive kind of uh-huh. guy, but. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you got to have your delay and reverb for a little flavor here and there. For sure. Nice. For sure. Well, we appreciate you sharing that. Uh, we've got Josh Forrest of Treetone Guitars on the show, and we're excited to have him. Again, if you, if, if you uh, haven't yet gone to check out what he's making, you can head over to Treetone Guitars and also Treetone Guitars on Instagram, correct? That is correct. Perfect. So um, I'm just going to say I, I caught you when somehow or another, because, um, hey, guys, we don't know every we, – there's so many builders and stuff that w- we still have to meet out there. Like I constantly – hey, have you heard of this guy? Have you heard of this guy? Have you heard of this guy? I'm like – sometimes yes sometimes no so if you think that i you know i should maybe contact somebody if you think that this that the that the knobs should be having one somebody that you know that you would love to hear from send us the, the info just in case we don't know but back to you josh uh i saw i believe it was the uh there was a now tony's going to tony's going to kill me for this but um, probably it's the it's the Del Sol. I saw the the white Del Sol, and it had the the inky tortoise. That's the only way I know how to call it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Inky tortoise. Inky leopard tortoise. Is that fair? It's kind of like it, yeah. I, most people call it leopard, but well, yeah. it is not leopard. Leopard or prince spotted. prince tortoise. Yeah, spotted tortoise, inky tortoise. To me, a little to me, it looks like uh, inky. Anyway, so the inky tortoise. <laughs> okay. And uh, and I was I was <laughs> I just that's a beautiful guitar, man. I was like. Dang, what's that? And um, I immediately uh, got a hold of you. Yeah, that uh, that one uh, that one did it for me straight out of the gate. Um, and he- here's the thing: what we're talking about, it's not like uh, you're not making, you know, radical new 
like designs that everybody's like, oh, whatever, what is this new thing? But we, what you seem to be doing and have done very, very well is taking something familiar and putting a little bit of a twist on it. Not too much to where it looks stupid. Just right. enough to make it be like, mmm, that's tasty. Yeah, no, I'm glad you've noticed that. I mean, that's kind of the whole thing is is not to make something that looks like it's from another age, you know? Like, mm-hmm. I, I want it to look like an electric guitar at the end of the day. Um, and most of us kind of have an image in our heads of what an electric guitar is supposed to look like. Um, and most of that goes back to the the good old days, you know, the 50s and 60s when when uh, I'll just say it, Fender and Gibson came out with the, the big hitters, you know? Mm-hmm. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not trying to stray too far from um, sort of those plans that were laid for all of us, but definitely trying to put my own spin on things here and there. Yeah, uh, for sure. You, you've got you've got some great models. Um, I'm gonna. I was gonna ask on that yeah, on that ahead. Del Sol. Um, is is that uh, do you have that the control plate custom cut for that, or is that something off the shelf? Yeah, no that that is a custom plate. Um, all the designs that I come up with, I, I pretty much primarily use uh, Adobe Illustrator for the the actual designing of the the body shapes and mm-hmm. whatnot. Um, and that one, for whatever reason, um, it just kind of called for its own control plate, um, something that kind of fit the shape well because nothing off the shelf yeah. was really doing it. It looks and awesome. I, yeah, I think if you're yeah. using off the shelf control plates, especially, it, it will definitely keep your eye you know, tuned into whatever guitar that control plate originally was on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So let's say I used like a yeah. Jaguar control plate on that. You'd, you'd instantly be thinking, oh, well, this is a, a Jaguar ripoff or something, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The one that I think people can get away with, uh, because when people do use it, they tend to use it more creatively, is uh, is the the classic, like, so you have on your classic three, Yep. So that that's a Telecaster it uh, on what is definitely not a Telecaster, but you've got it almost looked like a stretched Telecaster control plate, although it's I don't know if it is or not, but um it's when, funny. That one acts as just a straight up tele tele style control plate. Okay. There you go. What's interesting about the the tele plate that you have is that uh it doesn't look like it's supposed to be there. Um and when I when I think about how people are using teleplates, because we know it exclusively for a Telecaster, whenever it's not on a Telecaster, it looks like it's not supposed to be there. But the interesting thing about like some of the designs that you're doing and some older designs, even not only of guitars, but but like cars and electronics, especially electronics, like way back in the day, is that they they didn't in certain instances they didn't seem to work really hard on saying hey this should all feel like a totally homogenized design they're like yeah that's where it goes and then just put something there right mm-hmm. um and that's a that's a one real interesting way to distinguish between modern designs because modern designs even when people are trying to make things look older it's impossible for them not to say that has to be perfectly um, spaced be- around the edge. Like everything is almost overly symmetrical. And we've mentioned this on the show before, but one of the reasons that like we love 
some of those old things is because they look kind of wonky, like mm-hmm. <laughs> like the um, like the pickguard on on a uh, on a flying V or an Explorer. It's just like what you why'd you just square that off you know or like why isn't it following the curve is it like but it doesn't matter that's what makes it kind of it makes it kind of rock and roll and that's that's a way that i have kind of distinguished some modern designs with with older ones um uh oh is that tony again maybe he'll be back (laughs) (laughs) who needs him (laughs) yeah so i'm actually a big fan of of wonky kind of out there guitars as well. You know, I do like the classics, but I think the guitars from the sixties that were coming out of like Japan, like mm-hmm. Tesco's or, um, Tysco. I don't know how you say that one. Tesco um, like Seiko. Is it Tesco? Yeah. All right. Like finally. the shark fan. Yeah. And the- yeah. So there, there's definitely some inspiration from those, those kind of designs too. Um, another one that that's pretty big, uh, it's an Italian brand uh, called Echo. Oh, yeah. Echo. Yes, yes. Oh, fiberglass bodies. Yeah. Those guitars were so cool looking, though. I like, think they're those fiberglass. Designs, are they really? I That, I didn't even know. Yeah, it's like some kind good. of plastic or... I, I'm pretty sure it's fiberglass. My I buddy think, uh, Mark had one of those. It was awesome looking, but it was um, it was weird. Like, like super light, right? Weird yeah. to hold, yeah. I think yeah. Nationals were like that, too. The yep. nationals with all the the crazy wiring harnesses and all the weird pickup configurations and switches. Yeah, I guess that was a, a thing. Fiber fiberglass guitars. You know, you got the the Jack White airline stuff. Mm-hmm. Those were fiberglass. Supro, I think. I think was doing some fiberglass. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Very lightweight stuff. Yeah, it's lightweight for sure. I've never actually held one in person before, but um, yeah, I'd be interested to see what that's actually like. But yeah, so I, those walk. Or to design to, um, and just kind of kind of try to integrate it all to 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 make my own thing, you know. Very cool. Uh, so, anyways, I just kind of like let the cat out of the bag with like, hey, that's the guitar that I gravitated towards. Um, you've got one, two, three, four, five, six models right now: the Stella, the Stella ST, the Del Sol, the Versa, the Songbird. And the classic three, all of which mean nothing if you're not familiar with these guitars or looking at the page right now. Um, we're we're not going to belabor like tell you know going through and, and telling about every single model. We'll we'll come back and touch on a couple things. But uh, how did how does an IT guy decide to start building guitars? <laughs> Good question. Um, it kind of started a while ago. It's been something I've been doing for a bit now. Um, I mean, when I look back on it, uh, almost from day one of playing guitar, I've been just kind of messing around with them. So, I mean, when I think about my first electric um, that I got in high school, it was like a Squire from a Squire Strat Pack. Um, I was constantly trying to set that thing up to be you know, better than it was, uh, messing with action, messing with the truss rod. You know, pretty much doing stuff that I had no business doing at the time. Um, I think probably in the first year of owning that guitar, I had already swapped out the pickups on it. Um, but not knowing anything at the time, I just bought some cheap, crappy pickups off of eBay and put them in the Squire. So really, it wasn't an upgrade at all. It was more of just tinkering for the sake of tinkering, <laughs> hmm. um, which I didn't know at the time. I was like, oh, I'm going to put in these aftermarket pickups. This thing's going to scream. 
Um, and they, they were totally shrill and, and terrible, but so, yeah, I mean, <laughs> um, definitely been tinkering for a while. Uh, I owe a lot of it actually to my dad, I would say. Um, so again, back in high school, um, I don't know how this came about, but, um, he was like, why don't we build a guitar? I was like, cool. Yeah, I guess we could try that. I didn't, I didn't know how it was going to come out. Um, my dad kind of had a woodworking background, so um, he had all the tools necessary and all that good stuff. Um, so I had actually, I think I was taking a, like a Photoshop class at the time in school. So I came up with a design. It was kind of like a shrunken down version of a Fender Starcaster, like a hollow body guitar, mm-hmm. um, which is, which is a bit much for a first guitar build. If you think about <laughs> it, <laughs> it's ambitious. It's a uh, bit ambitious. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what 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 i was thinking on that but again just goes to show you i didn't know anything at the time so it all seems like it's on the table you know mm-hmm. um so yeah he did all the woodworking on that one i came up with the design he did the woodworking um <clears throat> you know he built the body again a hollow body i don't know how he how he just pulled that out um and made it happen but he did um we bought the neck for that one again another ebay score so it was nothing nothing special um but I did all the wiring in that one. And again, a bit ambitious. Um, I put all the bells and whistles in that thing, which was just a stupid idea. It was such a pain. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I did a, the push-pull pots and some toggle switches for phase phase in and out and uh, um, coil tapping the, the humbuckers we put in there. It was all too much. But at the end of the day, it was, it was a working guitar. You know, it was something that I could actually pick up and play, which I kind of resonated with me i thought that was super cool that's really um, good experience too to learn how all that stuff works you know yeah yeah definitely. doing it doing it is fun yeah that was the thing time. yeah it was it was a blast it was it was a fun project uh it exposed me to a lot of you know what i would get into later on um so i didn't i didn't continue building guitars at that point i was too into just playing the guitar all i wanted to do was play um so you know further on down the line um, this is probably after college at some point, uh, my wife and I bought a house. Uh, I realized, oh man, I got a garage here. I can actually have, like, I can do some fun stuff out here in the workshop. Um, so I started messing around with some parts caster bodies and necks that I had laying around. Um, and before I knew it, I was, I was, you know, I had a, had myself a bandsaw router table was cutting my own bodies and necks. Um, I decided to, to make my first guitar from scratch at that point, which was, uh, kind of a Mustang style, um, which was a cool guitar. Um, you know, scale neck. I think I had like G and L pickups that I threw in there just cause it's what I had lying around. Not bad. Yeah, not bad. There are those MFD pickups. Um, they're kind of interesting. Um, Anyway, that guitar being my first one from scratch, I still have it, but um, it's not something I play ever. It didn't, it didn't come out that great, you know? It, again, it was a learning experience. You got to start somewhere. Um, but yeah, it all kind of spiraled out of control from there. <laughs> uh, w- once you make that first one, you just want to do the next one even better. You know, you just want to get better at, at, at the craft itself. Um, and I mean, even to this day, it's still the next guitar is the next opportunity to build an even better guitar than you ever have. So it, ah, it, it's, it's a great way of, to look at it. Yeah. It's, it's a bug. You know, once the, once you've been bitten by the bug, it's hard to stop. 
I wanted to compliment you on the pickup configurations that are that you're using on some of these. I really like the the old school kind of Epiphone uh, mini humbucker with the three and three poles. Um, mm -hmm. And the way you're having these, I don't know if you're doing them or having somebody else do them, uh, but you have the chrome or the nickel frame around the black vulcanized fiber or plastic. And then you, you know, then you have the, the three uh, poles, but I wanted to, I just wanted to say, you know, whoever's doing those and, and really, really good look on those guitars that you're doing. I think, I think that's in those Gaia tones, the gold foils that you also use. Yeah. Yep. Really, really cool looking on those guitars, man. Great job. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, yeah. pickups are clearly a huge part of an electric guitar. So, sure. um, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> debatably. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, mainly I work with two, two different pickup winders. Um, I think the one specifically you were talking about at the beginning there, um, with the pole pieces are, uh, made by Tim McNelly. Um, uh -huh. he's up in Canada. I thought um, that was him. Yeah, those are his stagger swaggers. So those yeah. things are are super cool. Um, I like to describe them as like a, a very single coil sounding humbucker because um, literally that that that's how they sound. He must not wind them very hot. I do. Uh, I could also, uh, if you wanted to do like an all chrome or an all, you know, or an aged metal, they, they actually do the make those covers in in uh, metal covers. Oh, yeah, for sure. That. Yeah. yeah, yeah, man. Um, I experiment a lot with with P90 covers themselves. So um, one thing that all my guitars so far have had are P90 size pickups. So soap bar size P90s, mm -hmm. um, but they're not always actual P90s underneath those covers. Mm. So um, those stagger swaggers, for instance, are soap bar size, but clearly not your standard looking P90 size pickup. Um, and they don't sound like a P90 either, which is cool. Um, and I've also done, let's see, I also work with uh, Rob Banta, Gemini Pickups out of New York. Um, he's kind of a mad scientist over there. He he will wind just about anything I can think of and throw it into a, a P90 soap bar cover, um, <laughs> which is which is awesome. It, it kind of gives a uniform look to all my guitars as far as pickups go. Um even though the the covers themselves might have a slightly different look to them, whether they have gold foil or, or their standard uh, nickel P90 covers or their plastic, mm. um, so yeah, Rob's done some some crazy stuff. Those uh, Gaiatone gold foils were wound by him. Um, they sound amazing. He's actually um, on that Del Sol with the the spotted tortoise guard. Mm -hmm. um, that one had uh, his dual buckers in them, so they're they're. Uh, gold foil pickups but they're they're humbucking so sure, he's actually yeah. the crazy thing with those too is um you can switch from humbucker to single coil mm -hmm. um and you don't lose any output so you, yeah you're not, you're not yeah. dropping in volume must have done a six and two deal sure yeah yeah i think he three. actually I think he actually had three three coils under every cover which is pretty insane yeah that's weird yeah that's <laughs> awesome man that's great yeah it's really cool stuff um i'm really happy to be working with those guys um they they definitely helped me take the guitars to to another level for sure well speaking of um you know other builders of things i'm just curious and if you uh, don't want to answer this you don't have to but uh, uh is there a, we are obviously you're pulling some historical references for your designs but 
if we're thinking about builders out there that are inspiring to you, not necessarily inspiring to you to then go make a guitar that looks like that, but just who out there right now is like really doing it for you? Oh man, there's a, there's a ton of great builders right now. Um, I mean, first three that come to your mind. My head. Okay, uh, big one for me. They're they're kind of kind of still in business. Um, I forget exactly what's going on with these guys, but Ronin Guitars. Um, they're out of California. Are you guys familiar with them? I am. Oh, yeah. I'm Ronin. Not. Yeah. Yeah, Ronin. Um, R O N I N. Um, mm-hmm. They build some really cool guitars. Um, so some of the the carved top ideas kind of came from some of some influence from those guys. Um, their guitars are just gorgeous. Um, they do a lot with the gold foil pickups as well. Um, Harvester out in Australia. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that guy. No. no. Um, so yeah, that's Harvester. Uh, I think his name's Anthony. Um, again, killer guitars. Go look them up as soon as you can. Um, what about the Merkiller? Tell us for those who can't <laughs> look it up right now. Um, yeah, I think he just he kind of does what I'm trying to do with taking classic designs, but also that with wonky design. I need a good job of doing that well. You know, some things some people might think are a little over the top, but it's just it's just enough to catch your eye. And you just remember those builds. Um, I haven't had the chance to actually play one myself, being that he's from Australia. Um, but they look like they would play great. They look like they would sound great. So I bet they do. A lot of people are digging them. <laughs> um, but yeah, if you haven't, check them out. Um, you'll see what I mean right away. Um, oh, yeah, I've, definitely wonky. Yeah, are you, are you looking at them now? I am, yeah. And I think it's interesting... One of the things that people might are, there's there's a couple go to things if you're gonna go you know walk on the wonky side of the street. Um, I think layering plastics is is a is like one of those things. Oh yeah, that's yeah. He's done that for sure with his pick guards. Which yeah, is, I don't think I've ever seen that on other guitars. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's a couple. I mean, Tony knows for sure better than anybody who's who else is doing that. But um, uh, I, I think that, and then also like uh, use of Bakelite type materials, like on uh, on pickup covers or knobs or like you know strange uses on the headstock, stuff like that, uh, or another thing. Uh, yeah, very cool stuff. So uh okay so so you got you got those first two what's give us one more Uh one more um I think you guys had them on the show actually uh Abernethy guitars from California Oh yeah 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 I love what what Justin's doing um him and I I think uh we share a a love of offset guitars mm-hmm. so that that's one thing I failed to mention about my guitars is um literally every design is offset in some way at the waist um, I'm a sucker for, you know, jazz masters and Jaguars. Um, and I just don't think there's anything cooler than an, an offset guitar personally. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and yeah, Justin's some cool set stuff on, um, he uses some of my favorite pickups too. Uh, he also does a lot with Gemini pickups as well. 
Yeah. Oh, I'm gonna have to uh, get a little bit more familiar with Gemini. I again, it's like it's it's weird because we've actually we've had discussions about this for whatever reason. If we there's always somebody on the line going, "How do you not know who that is?" <laughs> like, <laughs> I, that's the whole point of the show is to get familiar with with all of the people. Hmm. So. Um, Every time someone, if you hear me say, geez, I don't know who that is, that's an opportunity, people, for another show, for Pete's sakes. <laughs> yeah, the, the amount of builders out there is incredible nowadays. It's pretty, it's pretty nuts. There's people, yeah. people doing new things every day, you know, all over the world even, not, not just here in the United States. Yeah, yeah. So speaking of new things, uh, I, uh, what's, what's in your near future? Um, well, actually, just this week, um, I released uh, my new Versa model, it's called. Um, and that's kind of kind of my take on, I guess, like the junior models from the 60s, 50s and 60s, as well as like uh, melding that with the student models from Fender. Mm-hmm. Um, so think like Mustang or uh, SG Junior uh, kind of meet to make one guitar. That's kind of what the the versa is i like that because i don't like either one of those guitars but i like yours nice i'll take it yeah (laughs) (laughs) um it was also my attempt to um i think my prices on all my other models are are pretty pretty low already i mean dude it's it's ridiculous people yeah people Come yeah, on. those are good good prices for uh, boutique guitars, definitely. Yeah, yeah very sure. affordable. I mean, they're all handmade, and they're, they're literally – I try to keep them under $2,000 $2, as best as I can, yeah. um, which, I mean, you can get a, a like an American-made, you know, assembly line guitar for around that same price, or yeah. you can get, you know, something that's handmade for you. This one's um, $12.99 for Pete's sakes. So yeah, that Versa was. I'm trying to lower the price as you know to still make some money as as much as I can. Mm-hmm. But um, you're that, not in it for the fame, then. That's what you're saying. <laughs> oh no, I am. Yeah, I'm definitely, <laughs> definitely doing this for the fame. <laughs> I'm not um, doing it for either one, and it's working. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so that one, you know, it's got a thinner body than what I'm doing on all the other ones. It's it's actually under an inch and a half. So how do you like that personally? Um, I'm a big proponent of lightweight guitars, so I, I really like it. So I'm using mahogany on that, that one, mm-hmm. which is notoriously a super heavy wood to mm-hmm. use. Um, I think Jared's made out of mahogany. Could be. Which, uh, what, what, what flavor of mahogany are you using for that? Oh, genuine, sir. Only, only the, the freshest. Um, um, I actually don't on that last Versa that I made, um, I have a local hardwood store, um, you know, like 15 minutes from my house. That's, that's where I sourced that mahogany. Um, and that happened to come off of like the off cuts section. So I don't actually know what type of mahogany that one was, but, um, it's a nice looking grain structure. It sounds good. Um, and yeah, so the bodies on, on the Versas are under an inch and a half thick. Think like. SG uh, thickness as Mm -hmm. far as the body goes. Um, And there's a lot less uh, hand carving that goes into those guitars, like compared to say like my, my Stella model, which has a German carved top. Um, The Versa just has a 60 degree bevel ratted on the side. So it's kind of like one and done. You don't have to touch much up. Um, So yeah, the idea was just to kind of 
make a guitar that is, you know, I can make a little bit quicker, but mm -hmm. still have that quality, um, still have the same look that is you can associate with my other models. Um, and yeah, so that, that just got released this week. People are liking it so far on the old internet. Mm -hmm. So, so we'll see how it goes. Right on. Nice. I was, I was going to ask about, um, I noticed that you're using a, a water-based, uh, lacquers. I want to get your take on that versus, uh, you know, standard lacquers. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I kind of in the last couple years made the switch to the water-based stuff. Um, I love nitro, you know, it's, it's, it's incredible. It, it looks very nice. I like the way it ages. Um, mm -hmm. but, uh, it, it's incredibly bad for you. It's incredibly bad for the environment. <laughs> um, my shop is, is at my home. Oh, right. So inflammable. Um, I'm not trying to blow up my, uh, my residence, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that was a big part of it is, I didn't want to be, you know, putting anybody at risk here at home or in the, in the neighborhood even. Mm -hmm. um, and and yeah, I didn't want to I didn't want to expose myself to stuff that I didn't necessarily have to. So um, I got I got kind of hip to the water based um, alternatives out there. Um, there's been a few builders that I reached out to for help with that. Um, Florian from Millimetric Instruments. Oh, yeah. He was one of our first guys. Was he really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's awesome. Yeah. So I. I reached out to him questions about the water-based stuff because I noticed he was using it. Um, he was super kind and, and answered all my questions that I might have about it. Um, but yeah, th there was a bit of a learning curve when it came to spraying it. Um, right. The thing with nitro is it, it's super easy to use and spray. It, it's it's almost like anybody can do it, honestly. Yeah, it's pretty forgiving. Yeah, <laughs> it's that. very forgiving, yeah. Um, I mean, you do have to worry about humidity and whatnot, but as far as the actual spraying process, it's... It's um it's not the hardest thing to spray by any means, but mm -hmm. the water-based stuff was was kind of odd when I first started spraying that. Um, when it goes down, it, it looks like it's it's got like the worst orange peel you've ever seen. Mm -hmm. um, but that's actually what you're seeing is the water evaporating out of um, the finish itself, okay. and that that's kind of how it cures is the water evaporates off, um, and once the water is gone, you're left with um, your polyurethane or lacquer finish on the surface mm -hmm. um so yeah it was it was a bit of a learning curve but i'm super happy that i did it i mean i'm, I'm really happy with my results um that i'm getting from the stuff um, good yeah yeah, yeah. I, know, I, I know a lot of builders have switched over to that and even some repair shops have have, have been doing that and it's always interesting I, I i i have you know most everyone says that it was a a major you know switch over because if they're used to using, you know, lacquers or even enamels, um, it's just it does have a different feel and different curing look. Yeah, definitely. And then the positive to it is that I mean, I can I can be done with a guitar in, in less than a week as far as the the painting and finishing process goes. Mm -hmm. um, whereas with the with nitro or something, I'd I'd be having to wait one to two months sometimes just for that stuff to cure nice. um, to a point where, you know, you're, you're happy and ready to send it out without worrying about, you know, issues with the finish. Stupid nitro. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Nothing against nitro. I, I love it. If I could spray it, I would. Honestly, it, it, it feels and looks amazing. Mm -hmm. I'm um, drinking a cup of it right now. <laughs> 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 Excellent. Well, dude, we really appreciate you sharing your story and learning more about you and uh, your fine guitars. Uh, uh, yet another 
solid builder who's making things at a price point that, you know, um, not everything has to be the, 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 you know, a super low price, but it's nice when some of them are. And, um, especially if they look as good as these do and, and, uh, uh, we hope to uh, run into you uh, on the street someday. Maybe you're holding a guitar, and we say, "Hey, let me see that guitar, man." Yeah, I mean, I don't walk anywhere without a guitar in my hand. So, well, yeah, yeah it's, it's duh. <laughs> What's your deal? I'm a guitar maker. Duh. Yeah, can't you tell, man? Come on. That's been my voice for the show. I don't know why. I, I really don't. <laughs> uh, anyways, so uh, we're gonna switch over to uh, Big Jared Mahogany Mongo. That's me. Do it. Ladies and gentlemen, it's your favorite part of the show. It's called Would You Rather. This week's Would You Rather is brought to us by Josh. And uh, he decided on this week's Would You Rather, and it goes a little something like this. Tony doesn't know this. I I know. It's going to be a complete surprise. So I'm going to keep this somewhat generic. Otherwise, I'll just screw it up. <laughs> so, would you rather play a lower-end Gibson guitar, you know, like a Les Paul Studio or a Gibson Sonics or something like that, through a Fender amp, a really nice higher-end Fender amp, like a, oh, well, let's say uh, an original um, blackface, you know, from the 60s, 50s and 60s. and Or would you rather... Play a high-end Fender guitar, you know, like maybe an original Blackguard from the 50s or yeah, just maybe a nice um, custom shop model uh, Fender guitar through a Gibson amp. And I am not really familiar with all the Gibson amp models because, let's face it, Gibson wasn't really known for their amps. Tony, So what would you rather do, man? Tony needs to weigh in and give us a little bit of uh, Gibson amp uh, history here. So um, there are some really coveted uh, Gibson amps that were made in the 50s and 60s. Uh, mostly they're, they're tube models. Um, they are actually made amps back into the 20s and 30s. Um, but, um, uh, you know, the, I, I think that they have, they've got a, kind of a sound of their own. Uh, definitely not something that you you know you'd expect out of a Fender or a Vox for that matter. They're they're their own little category. There was even a a, a Les Paul amplifier model that went along with Les Paul guitars. So um, so there are it's it, they're they're not as common and not as commonly used, but there are uh, uh, there are people that that will you know prefer that that sound to uh, just about anything else that's out there. Interesting. John has one over at the studio. Mm-hmm. Is it like a GA7 or something it's, like that? Yeah, it's or? that big beast. I know you've seen it. We yeah, plugged yeah. it in, and it, it, like, it was like, crap, crap, crap. Whoa, wait, stop. And it sounded like glorious. And then he kept going, and it was crap, crap, crap. That thing <laughs> looks like it could have secret compartments in it. It is the way it's built. astoundingly heavy. It is beyond remarkably heavy. It's huge. Hmm. And heavy. Yes. Anyways, okay. So here's the deal, everybody. You're gonna play. Uh, uh, what? Uh, what is it, Jared? 
<laughs> a low, lower end Gibson model through a high end Fender amp or a high end Fender guitar through a lower Gibson model, uh, non coveted Gibson amp. Perfect. Tony Baloney, go for it. I mean, I could go either way because I, I, I have no problem whatsoever for with lower end Gibson models, uh, whether it's a Melody Maker, a Junior, or whatever. The old um, ones are good. Yeah, yeah. That's that's. I think that's the major difference. Um, and you know, uh, an upper end Fender guitar, you know, that doesn't necessarily make it better. Um, Despite the you know the 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 fans of of Gibson amps, I I still prefer the sound out of a Fender amp, uh, especially a Blackface. Um, I would I'm I'm going to go with option one with a lower end uh, Gibson model through a really nice uh, Fender amplifier. Preferably, All right, uh, preferably a Vibrolux. <laughs> Jared, yeah, this is tough for me because. I can go with either way too, but traditionally it's usually a Gibson going through a Fender uh, amp rather than the other. Mm-hmm. Um, so just because of that, I'm going to go with like a really nice custom shop Fender going through a working Gibson amp. <laughs> Operative word there is working. <laughs> Got to yeah. be working, huh? <laughs> One that you can still buy tubes for. So. Okay. I'm going to I'm going to go that way cuz you know Fender in my opinion, you know Fender's American made guitars are really good fine instruments. They're still really good instruments. Yeah. You know? I'll give you that. Yeah. All right. Uh let's go over to our guest. What would you do? All right. Yeah, I'm going to have to go option 1 with Tony on that one. Play the uh lower end Gibson through a Fender amp. I'm just thinking about how many classic records were made on a vintage uh, Fender Champ? Um, oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, it's a sound you can't get away from if you're listening to anything from the last, you know, hundred years practically. Maybe a hundred's a little, little too far back, but uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> not anymore. Yeah, but yeah, well, we'll as say far the as the last fifty years. Yeah, we'll go with fifty. We'll cut that in half. <laughs> um, but Gibson amps. I mean, I'm sure there was, you know, plenty of records cut on a on a Gibson amp that maybe people don't boast about, but, um, you don't hear about it as much. Uh, the no. tried and true Fender champ is, is kind of where it's at for me. Yeah. <sighs> All right. right. Well, choose your, choose your poison. Now I have, for whatever reason, cause I, I, I get in my own way. I just, I admit that I get in my own way. And so my natural instinct would be like, I want the thing that everybody doesn't take because it's like, you know, I want the, the, the Gibson, the good sound, the, you know, the good Gibson amp. Um, and, uh, or, or at least a working Gibson amp right. and a really right. nice uh, Fender guitar, right? Or a Stratocaster? Uh, <laughs> well, Tele. Get a yeah. Tele or a Jaguar. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go. I'm going to go the, uh, the, give me a Gibson Sonics black with a black pick guard mm-hmm. and, yes. and, uh, and I'll take an old black face. There oh, you yeah. go. Nice. Yes. That's what I'm doing. Okay. Yeah. 
That's a good kind with a non-working neck pickup. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Who needs it? Yeah. All right. <laughs> That's what I'm doing. Uh, and Tony's like, Ugh. dry heaves with the Sonics. <laughs> <laughs> the gray and black. Yeah. Burst. Uh, Nothing like plastic covered wood. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so this has been a rootin' tootin' bag of fun. Uh, we got a couple people to thank. Tony Baloney. Would you be referring to our executive producers? Yes, and then some. Ooh. Oh, and then the secondary superior executive producers. Is that oh, correct? Oh, there's always a bigger fish. Well, wait, before we get there, I'm sure there is a, a group of listeners out there who have not heard about executive producers. How can and I be it, one? How can you be one? What is one? What comes with becoming an executive producer? This is only a half-hour show, Tony. <laughs> I want you to go over to patreon.com forward slash the guitar knobs. And there's several levels that you can become a patron of this very podcast, The Guitar Knobs. Each level comes with its own bevy of fun prize packages which are delayed to the postal system and all the nonsense going on right now. But anyways, you will get it. Uh, eventually, we'll all, we'll all get through this. Todd, you'll be able to get to the post office. I, I have faith in you. But anyhow, you get stuff like barefoot buttons and T-shirts and stickers and pics and all kinds of great, great stuff, uh, including giveaways and, and things like that that we're going to be doing for our fourth anniversary year. Yes, and we're going to have to catch up because of all the nonsense. Yes, this is nonsense. <laughs> but at the executive producer level, you get all that great stuff, but something else. And I can't put my finger on it, but Jared, I think you know it. You get to have your name read on the thing. Your name read on the thing. And that's what I'm going to do right now. I'm going to start with a very special group of executive producers. We call them our Grand Poobas. They wear a very special fez that indicates their commitment to the Guitar Knobs podcast. Without further ado, let's thank Jonathan Jerusic, Corey Nigro, David Kaminga, Cody Lane, Cody Foster, Sean... Yes. And Tommy Manasco. But wait. I'm also going to give a tip of the fez to our executive, regular executive producers. And I'm going to start. How do I want to do that? I'm going to start with our newest and work our way back. How's that sound? So our newest is Matt Hart. Hey, welcome to the thing. How about James White? Brett Alexander? Justin Jones, Doug Gann, Tim Nowak, John Esterley, Chris Heidel, Brad Partridge, Tyler Bray, John Anglin, Anthony Lanthrop, Johnny Knowles, Stefan Lamb, Michael Senchuk, Brian Robison, Ken Sayers, Michael Van Zant, Doug Christ, Darren Gregory, Chris Kearney, John Daly, Martin Cliff, and Tom Brazen. Hey, there they are. 
Yes. Did I, did yes. I fool you with that one, Todd? Yes. You thought I you thought I backed out, didn't you? I did. <laughs> I want to uh, just give a shout out to uh, Doug Gann. He's been a supporter for a long, long time. But I just wanted to say an extra special shout out. May I, may I please? You. May I please say something? Thank you, Cody Lane. <laughs> um, saw a, that I was still open and still going, and he purchased some pickups. And I just wanted to give him uh, some some gratitude for the support. So thanks, yeah, Cody. Nice. Yeah, he's a he's a really good supporter, and he's he's Huge always interacting. Yep, indeed, indeed. Josh, where can people find you on uh, out there on the internet? Yeah, hit up the old Google machine, Treetone Guitars. Um, likely that'll bring you right to the website, treetoneguitars.com. Um, Instagram's always good, at Treetone Guitars. Awesome. All right, all right. Awesome. And uh, Tony? Yes. Maloney, yes. Where can people uh, find you within a 30-second description? Within a 30-second description, <laughs> just head over to pickguardian.com. You'll find a list of wares and things that I offer. And if there's something there that you don't see, just shoot me an email. It's very simple. I've been I've been I've been catching up with emails left and right during this pandemic. And yeah. uh so getting answers to to questions very quickly. And uh if you want to see some of the projects we've been talking about, head over to Instagram and pick Guardian and the number one. Perfect. Jared? Uh, yes, of course. Um, I'm open. Uh, I'm running a discount. So uh, head over to brandonwalmpickups.com and see what I have to offer. And if there's something there you're looking for that you don't see, please email me and uh, we'll figure it out and we'll get it built for you. Thank you. Perfect. Hey, you can uh, shoot me a DM on IG. And if you don't know the lingo, then man, you're just not with it. But if you go to Instagram, you can send me a message. Uh, <laughs> and that's at Guitar Knobs. Also, you can send an email, Todd at the Guitar And like Jared, I have fast and uh, friendly and uh, inexpensive service. So, uh, everybody, we appreciate you joining our show. And um, we have plenty more to come. We want to thank Josh Forrest for joining our show. It was great to get to know you and learn about your guitars, man. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. It was a pleasure. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, same to you guys. Yeah. Uh, I just want to add one more thing, too. If anyone gets in contact with me um, within the next, let's say, couple months, uh, they mention the show, I'll give you 20% off a, a custom oh, build. Holy, holy moly. God. 20% off a custom built guitar. Are you what? joking? $200. That's expensive. Are you having a laugh? That's some cash right there. Yeah. Man. Wow. All right. So you guys don't don't be silly. Get over there and check out these guitars. Get your 20% off. Mention the guitar knobs. And you got a wham bam thank you, ma'am, deal. And you can rock and roll. It's easy. Do it. Oh, that's awesome. That's a great way to end the show, doggone it. Hey, everybody, have a great guitar weekend. Subscribe! Yeah. yeah. Well, it's not the greatest weather. Mm. <laughs> yeah, you'll have that. <laughs> I don't know how that affects our podcast, but... You're coming in pretty hot, Jared, you know that? Oh, yeah.
I was trying to heat up this chicken patty in the microwave, and it's not totally heated. It said a minute 30, but it's not totally heated. Well, that's probably because it's shitty outside. I think you're right. <laughs> Newton's law. So I had one more thing. Uh, I think every time you talk, I our, take our back internet every bad signal thing I said about the... Hey, this is Josh Forrest from Tree Tone, Tree Tone Guitars. Excuse me. You want to try that again? So, yeah, you, get your, yeah, yeah. so you get your company like right? You're tree Trunk. <laughs> tree Trunk Guitars. Well, Finn, you know, I do like apple pie. <laughs> cool. Can I, can I go get a drink of water? <sighs> Tony. It was worth it. You're a robot, Tony. Tony, you're super crispy still, buddy. You like that? Yeah, you're like the lady in Superman 3. Again. Now I gotta cut that out, you bozo. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's it for these knobs. Please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash the guitar knobs. Visit our website at theguitarknobs.com for all of our past episodes, four on the floor blog, and other good stuff. You can connect with us on social too at our Facebook page and share your gear and stories on our Facebook group. Also, be sure to check out our Instagram at Guitar Knobs. Catch you next time.